Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. We're celebrating Marketplace's 35th anniversary with some throwback thank you gifts available during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how much you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash donate. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash donate. The S&P 500 crosses above 5000. I'm David Brancaccio in New York. First, a year ago, statisticians overhauled the consumer price index by quite a bit. There were concerns it would happen again, thereby prices being maybe not as tame as they had looked. But today's revision was a big nothing, NBD. Christopher Lowe is chief economist at FHN Financial in New York. This is an example of they got it right. To begin with, they didn't have to make big changes. And it's a relief because the message on inflation all through 2023 was that it was moving steadily lower. And after the revisions, it's moving steadily lower. And our central bankers who set interest rates don't even pay attention to this CPI all that much. They look at this other thing, personal consumption expenditures. What has that been telling us? Well, that's right. We look at the CPI because it comes out a few weeks earlier, but the one that really counts was at 2% at an annual rate in the third quarter and 2% at an annual rate in the fourth quarter. It's already at the Fed's target. Chris, you can go answer your ringing wristwatch there, my friend. Wow. We live in the future. The popular index for people looking for low-fee stock investments, the S&P 500, crossed above 5,000 for the first time yesterday, but closed just below. But right now it is at 5,002 points, up less than a tenth of a percent, fueled by corporate profits and falling, uh, in fact, inflation. The Nasdaq is up three-tenths percent. The Dow is down 74 points, two-tenths percent. European scientists say they have reached an important milestone to make practical nuclear fusion, which could one day, will we or our children ever see it, create plentiful, clean and cheap energy. The Jet Laboratory in Britain has broken a world record for energy extracted by really squeezing two kinds of hydrogen. Here's the BBC's Palab Ghosh. If nuclear fusion could be successfully recreated on Earth, it could eventually provide virtually unlimited supplies of cheap, low-carbon energy. It differs from current nuclear power, which releases energy by splitting atoms apart. Instead, this process involves fusing the inside of atoms together and has the benefit of no highly radioactive waste. Since the 1950s, researchers have said that fusion power plants that provide large amounts of power are between 20 and 30 years away. They still do. The Jet Lab in Oxfordshire has finished its work, and this was its final result. It's to be replaced by the £17 billion ITER experiment in southern France. 
due to start in the mid-2030s. British nuclear leaders say that they're keen to contribute. And the Biden administration today announced $5 billion will go into public-private consortium, a public-private consortium, to develop next-generation computer chips. The National Semiconductor Technology Center is an effort to reinvigorate the U.S. semiconductor industry. A Texas Instruments engineer named Jack Kilby is credited with the first microchip in 1958. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. I insist on moderation, so you are not allowed a drinking game during the Super Bowl where you take a swig every time CBS cuts to Taylor Swift during the game. There are two football teams, the Niners and the Chiefs, and there are the ads. Janine Poggi, editor-in-chief of Ad Age, joins us. Hello. Hi. We are speaking in a world that's after the Bud Light situation, which got a tidal wave of backlash for collaborating with transgender actress and social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney to the point where Bud Light is no longer the top-selling beer in America. Given that, we're going to see a lot of issues-oriented ads with political messages this time around? I would say the last couple of years, you really saw brands playing it safe. Very few, if any, have been wading into anything that could even be perceived as controversial. And it's really not a place, especially when you're spending $7 million, that you really want to divide the country. Now, we do keep an eye on the research that Ad Age does, that your team does, regarding diversity, not just of the ad images themselves, but also the people behind the camera and the production staff. Still tracking that? We are. We're knee deep in all of that research right now. As you can imagine, it is something that is incredibly difficult to do. The brands, it's been very hard to track down real stats of, you know, behind the scenes, especially, which is really what we care about, you know, on top of the casting of who is actually working on these commercials behind the scenes. Uh, Right now, it appears as though the trend line remains the same from last year. I think it's pretty steady. We're not seeing any major uptick. One thing I'm really surprised about that hasn't changed, and we'll have more on this, is accessibility in Super Bowl commercials. Talking about the disabled community, it's one area where where you talk about, you know, inclusivity and even accessibility as it comes to closed captioning in Super Bowl ads is not something many brands are really thinking about right now. And that's one thing so far that's standing out to me. I thought that would change year to year and it doesn't appear that it has. Yeah, but there's one ad that does address, was it disability? 
Yes. So the Google ad, it was actually a shot by a blind director, Adam Morris, and it shows and it puts viewers into the shoes of what it would be like to be a visually impaired person. For many people with blindness or low vision, there hasn't always been an easy way to capture daily life. One face cropped. Move your phone down. One face in frame. Hold for photo. And the whole thing shot, he put petroleum jelly on the camera to give the effect of being visually impaired. And it actually promotes uh, Google's feature on its uh, Pixel phone that helps people with visual impairment help take photos. I think that one will stand out, especially when you look at all of the sea of humor. It's definitely a positive message and one of belonging. Janine Poggi, editor at Ad Age. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. In past years, the Super Bowl has been full of crypto companies. What's your bet on how many are there this year? Mm-hmm. More of our conversation is in the Marketplace Morning Report podcast feed or online at marketplace.org. In New York, I'm David Brancaccio with our Morning Report. From APM, American Public Media.